0: This is where I think the industry needs to think about the whole of a life cycle and not just, we're building a building, we've built it, job done.
1: Hello innovators, I'm Todd Wyant and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software, Great Group. You're invited to join our construction, innovation, and digital transformation adventure with a mission to model the future for this great industry. My guest today is Simon Dickinson. He is the Powerpack for Revit product manager at Gray Tech. Simon has over 20 years of experience with Revit and BIM and has worked as a consultant on many projects, large and small, helping design practices and manufacturers to implement BIM. From starting up new BIM standards to solving complex design issues with software and ensuring that the customer gets early and lasting benefits from their investment in BIM technology. Welcome to the show, Simon.
0: Hi, well, well, pleased to be here
1: looking forward to it. So I always like to kind of start getting the the background of how did you get into the construction industry to begin with?
0: Um, I've always decided, never decided whether I was in the right place at the wrong time or the wrong place at the right time. Um, (laughs) I I, I actually studied software engineering um, as a degree. And um, I actually left university and went to work for a manufacturing company. Um, so that was my main my, my introduction into the, into the 3D world. We were using 3D software. We were designing machines and we were prototyping. Um, and then I left there and um, I went to another consultancy company. Unfortunately, I was made redundant not long after I started. And then I was looking for a job. Now, in my previous life in manufacturing, I'd ended up being the CAD manager for the company. And the the reseller who I bought my software from, I just happened to approach. I was looking for a job, and I said, have you got any jobs going? And he says, we need someone just like you. And at the time, I had AutoCAD experience, mechanical desktop experience. Um, and I basically went to work for this um, Autodesk reseller. Not long after I started there, Autodesk purchased Revit and i had a cd or dvd thrown on my desk one day by my boss and he says have a look at this and see what you think and i remember looking at revit and thinking it's a bit mickey mouse but i get the concept we're now looking at prototyping a building as opposed to me prototyping machines and the whole concept just rang a bell it was it was where i could see the industry going And that was 21 years ago. And I've seen Revit develop. Um, I then ended up working on the architectural projects. Obviously, BIM started to come alive in the sort of like the early 2000s. So I was very much there um, when countries like here in the UK were looking at starting to implement BIM mandates. And I was very fortunate to be part of. Um, quite a lot of the steering groups at the early stage when we were looking at what BIM could bring. What was the difference to this collaborative approach and sharing data and prototyping objects. Now, as I say, coming from the manufacturing industry, that was not new to me. Um, But all of a sudden, we were starting to look at the bigger picture. Um, So yes, was I in the right place at the wrong time or the right place at the right time? I have no idea. But 21 years on, I've got no regrets about what happened.
1: That's awesome. So what, what do you see as the kind of the, the next step in collaboration and the the prototyping of buildings for construction?
0: There's this, 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 this many areas, you know, where we look at sort of some of the new technology, technology that's coming on, you know, generative design, um, how we integrate the civil side of things, I, I think. Even just thinking it from, if we just think of it from a basic Autodesk workflow, we've still got gaps in the way that we all collaborate. Mm -hmm. And when you get, I'll talk about manufacturers in a second, but when we look at just the key stakeholders for a construction project, there is still gaps in the way that the workflows work. I know we're getting better workflows, but, you know, we've still got certain areas where the workflows kind of work where we can import um, topographical information from say civil 3d uh, and infraworks um, into Revit but then it's quite static and then the way that we communicate that data back um, gets slightly broken um, and there was, when you look at the workflows there's lots of potential workflows out there back in 2003 um, I was at an Autodesk event in Nice in the south of France and one of the big keynote speeches back then was the fact that we were going to get this file format called IFC and it was going to solve every collaboration problem that we had. It was going to be a cross-platform solution that was going to fix everything. Unfortunately back in 2003 the industry I don't think was ready for that because Autodesk competitors Wanted Autodesk customers to use their products. but didn't want them to share data from one platform to another. Mm. And I think the reluctance to accept that back in the day has meant that IFC is probably still five years behind where it should be for inter-platform connectivity. Mm. Uh, and you know, we're seeing in the UK that the major contractors, did not specifying BIM as being use whatever architectural platform you like. We start to see people specifying a particular platform, say Autodesk Revit. And this is introducing then the workflows that we've got. So I think Autodesk have still got a long way to go. I think the workflows are getting so much better than what we used to be. Um, I remember back in about 2010 when Autodesk had the realization that they had all these different platforms, you know, for Manufacturing and Inventor, they had Revit, they had Civil 3D, and we suddenly realized that. They didn't talk to each other, um, and I remember Autodesk saying, "Right, as big push now is to get these platforms talking to each other." Mm-hmm. And you know, we're starting to get there. You know, when we start to look at the Autodesk Construction Cloud, or you know, be using the BIM three hundred and sixty. I've been involved with the cloud solution since BIM three hundred and sixty team um, was released, and I've seen the evolution all the way up to the unified platform with the integration of. BIM 360 the plan grid stuff. And that's working fine, but it's always a bi-directional process, I think, that we need to concentrate on. So we get these, the concepts of being able to share the data from one author to another, but then we need to sometimes be able to go backwards as well and share that data back downstream. So I think think, um, when we look at that and I don't think there's a, a perfect platform out there. Um, I'm biased because I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, um, I'm sort of maybe what could you say? I'm basically um, Autodesk through and through. Um, I've used Autodesk software all my, all my career, um, but you know we get other companies that have got file sharing systems, but they're not actually affiliated to authoring software, whereas the Autodesk platform is. So we are starting to get there. Um, and and I've got some really good ideas for where I think Autodesk are looking to take this technology to get that fully collaborative, you know, interoperability side of things working seamlessly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you you set me up perfect for where I was going to go next, and it, you know, being able to to move the data across platforms and and workflow is such a such a key trend that that interoperability is is huge. What are our ways to help become more uh, efficient in this, you know, really key process?
0: I think there's, there's several. Um, one of the one of the big issues that we have with the Autodesk platform is, and, and, and we've got the same with with Ingridate with our internal products, and it's um, adoption of the technology. Um. The biggest issue and sort of maybe barrier we've got at the moment is within the BIM process, we're always developing new working methods and new technology to share. But what we're not doing is we're not giving that backward compatibility to previous releases. And we are tending to find that the adoption of the latest technology, like 2023 platforms, is restricted due to the, the nature of BIM. And the nature of that BIM processes work on, particularly with Revit, we can't save backwards, so people will be using older versions of Revit. Um, and even Autodesk know this. Um, um, Stevens um, was um, Autodesk. My, my boss was at um, Autodesk University, and he asked Autodesk about um, one of the new features in the 2023 platform. They've, they've completely changed the way that the analytical model works from a structural point of view, and He asked Autodesk, he says, how do you find, what are the reactions of the users? And Autodesk says, unfortunately, we haven't got a big enough adoption of Revit 2023 to be able to ascertain how customers see that feature. So we need to get people adopting that new technology. Um, When we look at, you know, from manufacturing workflows, when we look at what we've got in Inventor to Revit now, you know, Inventor can produce Revit files not Revit um, families like it could before, just RFAs, it can create RVT files now. And the and it's a live update. It's utilising the Autodesk Construction Cloud to allow for this interoperability between both platforms. So we're we, we getting there. We, we, we're making sure that the workflows are in place, but we've got to make sure that we get the adoption. We, we can have the best tools in the world, um, but if people aren't yet using them, what we're technically doing, and it's, it's, it's a bit same with the Great Tech Power Pack that I'm looking, I look after. We're developing customer workflows and customer tools that customers are asking for, but we're not going to get the adoption of these workflows for two to three years, and that's mm. the quite scary thing. You know, we're preparing now to see the impact in two to three years until we can get the. the I think it's the confidence. Of the customers as well, because, you know, they, 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 everyone's reluctant to update the new version of Windows or new technology just in case it's bugged and it doesn't work. Unless you've got an iPhone or an iDevice, in which case you don't seem to have any much choice. Right. You plug the device in a night and it'll automatically update itself and you're there and you're, you're stuck with the latest version.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, what are some of the the hurdles then that are standing in the way of creating that greater adoption? And then maybe as a a, a follow up to that, whose responsibility is it to get the adoption?
0: Yeah. So it, it's it, it's quite weird. So if you if you if we if we look at it from a UK point of view, um, when I started in this industry, um, the architect was in charge of a construction project. So if I wanted a new school or a new hospital, I would approach an architect and i will say, design me a school. And then they would manage it all and they would get the contractor involved. In the past sort of 15, 20 years, that's completely changed. And the main contractors are involved now. And it's the contractor that controls the whole project. Um, you go to the contractor, they will source the architecture, structural engineer, mechanical engineer, civil engineer, etc. Some of them have been bitten in the past by upgrading projects quite quickly when a new version has come out.
1: Mm. They've
0: upgraded it, there's been a problem in there, you know, and they've they've refused now to change it. So what you tend to find is, the, the main hurdle is that the contractors will dictate the version that a project is going to be started and created in, and they will never upgrade that project because of potential problems they've had prime example in the uk we've got a, a supermarket chain called asda asda massive uk chain they're actually owned by walmart um, and walmart are very big into revit they've had issues in the past with projects being upgraded and they've completely refused now they will never upgrade their projects so again it's 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 perceived confidence of the technology you know i'm very much a, a technology evangelist so as soon as the uh, I hear about there's a new tool that's been developed by Autodesk or my dev team have developed a tool that I've been asking for. Um, the first thing I'll do is I drop everything and have a play with it. Um, there'll be some customers that are, you know, they, we, we've still got people working in 2D in the industry. Yeah, and you know, we're still driving that forward.
1: Yeah, it's a chicken and an egg dilemma in that if everybody is reluctant, and kind of waiting to see how others are, are implementing it, but nobody's <laughs> the one taking the initiative to, to go out in front and be the one to be the early adopter and figure out how to make it work and make it better, uh, You know, give their, their voice back to whatever uh, software provider uh, is releasing the, the new product. If nobody's willing to take that risk, then the industry just gets stagnant and then we fall right back into the, the trap that
0: oh absolutely the
1: construction industry doesn't adapt.
0: <laughs> we have in the uk I, i'd say you know we've got some some of our biggest customers here in the uk so some of the biggest architects and design houses um they will always have a um, part of a business that will be investigating this new technology and looking mm-hmm. at the benefits of using that and is it is there a benefit in in our workflows and and our day-to-day practices that we're doing at the moment where this new technology is going to make a massive difference. We have um, a particular customer who does building facades and basically they do all the cladding systems but everything is done in the inventor. Now you take me back 15 years ago and the manufacturers did not talk to the architects there was always a workflow where they would design these beautifully pieces of equipment and they'd be just converted into DWG and the DWG would be the universal file format but would yeah. lose all the data. I've been working with one company where they've been having to use um, IFC to try and transfer these models cause they're so big and anyone that knows IFC will know that if you convert a complicated Revit model to IFC, The result in IFC can be three, four, five times the size of the Revit file. Um, So the fact that, you know, we've shown them, um, we've been doing some, some live events in the UK showing the new interoperability between Inventor and Revit and how smooth it is and the file sizes are coming down. We can get the information across because the thing is with BIM, it's not just about pulling a 3D piece of geometry anymore. You know, that's, 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 that's yesterday. You know, being able to just build a 3D model, it's about the information that we carry across in that model. Mm-hmm. And that's the big things about these new workflows. We're not taking a dumb DWG across, we're taking intelligent model data that can have manufactured information. And when you start looking at the, the requirements, both in the US and in the UK for Kobe information, then we're saving work. And this is the big thing about the workflows. It's, I always used to say that one person would draw it, they'd pass it to somebody else, that person would draw the same information again, but slightly different, and then they would pass it to someone else and it'd be reworked again, almost from scratch, yeah. and it's the reuse of that data. And so it's not necessarily within the workflows of how we share model information, but how do we share that metadata? the information that's critical for the BIM life cycle. Um, and the other thing to, to consider as well is from an adoption point of view the one thing with BIM is this is a building lifecycle process and even today that life cycle finishes the moment we hand the building over to the facilities management. They are still probably the most reluctant people to adopt that data When you look at all the BIM mandates and facilities management was the was the one reason that we mandated BIM in the first place. So you know when you look at Kobe, Kobe's yes, it's a little bit about the obviously the construction. It's the first word in the acronym, but it's operations. It's about producing all the information you need from an operations point of view. So again, you know if you can get the missing stakeholders involved within that workflow, then we can fill in the gaps, and we can also then appreciate where the gaps are in the workflow. You know, like what we've got um, within the PowerPack for Revit with the link to Excel, where we can actually start to look at extracting that data for the stakeholders that are not using the design software, but need to see and maybe manipulate the data within that workflow. Um, so. The, this is where I think the industry needs to think about the whole of a life cycle and not just we're building a building, we've built it, job done.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you, uh, get people not afraid to kind of jump that, that, that hurdle and and embrace the new technology, upgrade their projects?
0: It's showing them it's, Basically, looking at their workflows and showing them how they can fix the broken links. You know, we we, we get it all the time. We've got um, a prime example example the other day was a customer is spending several thousand pounds on a competitive product to make two great tech products talk to each other. Yeah, so we've got two products and they actually use a third party product to tie them both in. Now, we've actually introduced the technology to do what they need to do with this third-party product. Um, and it's going to save them several thousand pounds a year. So what you're doing is you're giving them a financial reason to upgrade, mm-hmm. but what you also need to do is show them the workflows. Now, even if, you know, in the practices I've worked with that have been very forward-thinking, even they we're reluctant to upgrade for the first six months. But we'll wait till service part one comes out and then they're happy, yeah? Um, But you've got to give them a reason. You've got to show them that, look, this is a workflow, this is a piece of technology that's gonna enhance how you currently do things. Yeah, and this is how much it's gonna save. So give them an ROI of this is what you're gonna save by using this new technology. Um, and that's going to help drive that forward. We're, we're still going to struggle with the contractors because you, you'd be showing the workflows to the architect, structural engineer, and mechanical engineer, but the, con- the contractor doesn't see the benefit of that improved information. So sometimes it's getting all of these contractors and all these um, subcontractors and stakeholders in a room and explain to them the benefits of what that is and it's something that i've done for years it's, it's you know, i've been a very big advocate of bim and how we can improve the workflows and how we can improve data flows um even from the early days um but yeah sometimes it is a case of getting everyone in the same room just so that they all understand the benefits from everyone's perspective yeah oh
1: i'm a huge believer in having the the space for the conversation i think it's it's it seems like such a a simple thing but it's so overlooked in getting the the right people in the room at the right time at the beginning is usually the right time yeah <laughs> and, and, and to sometimes talk about where they're thinking and where they're coming from
0: yeah and sometimes these conversations don't have to be over technical they, they can be right really they probably shouldn't level. be over technical no they can be really high level and just really simple conversations about look We've got this piece of technology, and this is what it does, and this is how that information can flow downstream. I'll yeah. tell you how it works, I just need to tell you what its outcomes are.
1: Bridging the Gap is powered by Grey Tech Group. As a global BIM and modeling expert, Great is dedicated to empowering construction and manufacturing professionals to digitize and industrialize their processes to improve performance and build a sustainable tomorrow. With more than 30 years in the industry, they know how to be your partner in a world where change is the new normal and always strive to enable their customers to gain an increased competitive advantage to model the future. Visit greattech-group.com for more information. Yeah, absolutely. So. Kind of playing off of this and also circling back to one of the things that you said a few minutes ago on the, the rework that is in the industry, you know, the kind of daily repetitive tasks are up plenty in AEC, which opens up so much room for potential. So how can, what, what can really realistically be, be done to reduce this and and help increase productivity as a byproduct?
0: Yeah, um, Yeah. I think we we're starting to get there so again when we look at modern workflows we're not working you know when I started out doing this the architect to do all the work they need to do they've been passed that over to the structural engineer um, and destruction had, had a complete set of drawings at that point so we are starting to get out of the same in the UK getting out of our silos you know we're starting to the whole um, nature for people to talk is there Um, and the fact that we've now got um, things like the Autodesk Construction Cloud where when we issue um, new information, that new information is so easily checked against the previous information, it's so easy for errors to be detected um, through clash detection or just being able to look at a particular file and and see what's been changed you know, the amount of drawings I would see when you were communicating change, and a drawing had said general uh, revisions. What the heck is a general revision? It does not tell me that you've moved the door by um, half a foot. Right. That does not tell <laughs> me that. Yeah, it's a general revision, but I don't know what it is. And, and, and you know, and, and the same from a structural engineer's point of view. So we're starting to see much better communication between. The disciplines. What used to happen, particularly in the UK, you'd take out your indemnity insurance, and then there'd be a battle at the end of that project, and and the project would basically be um, whose fault was it that it went wrong? Yeah, it was always a blame game at the end. So sure. you know, who was going to claim the most out of their insurance because they had to have been stitched up by somebody else. The whole concept of BIM and everything, and, and being a digitally prototype, is we are getting away from that. So you know, the the ability to see what changes happened, how that change implicates every stakeholder, is very very useful. You know, um, being able to avoid problems. We we had um, a big arena in in Leeds in the UK, which is where near where I live, and the big thing about it was that the contractor um, claimed that they saved 1.5 million pound through clash detection and collaboration. yeah one and a half it. million you know it, it's, it's massive number you know that, that admittedly the, 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 the thing is he actually came in on budget did the arena um, but it would have got it a run over budget. If yeah. they hadn't have done that, and, and it was, it was always one of the things every project ran over. If you look at projects that didn't use BIM, and um, from a UK point of view, Wembley Stadium, Wembley Stadium was two hundred and fifty percent of budget, cost more than twice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely huge. It was twice its a, more than twice its original budget because errors were made and things weren't checked properly. Um, One of the funniest stories was um, they calculated if the tower crane would fit through the tunnel. So there's a big tunnel that leads in and out of Wembley Stadium for when they have concerts. And it was measured up um, and they said yes, the crane will fit out. What we didn't take into account was the crane was going on top of a low loader. As soon as the main body of the crane was on the low loader, it was too high to fit out of the stadium. Right. So they had to then take the main cab and part of the crane to bits that shouldn't have had to. It wasn't part of a modular construction to get it out. And it was just little things like that which, you know, weren't tested, you know. Yeah. Um, if we'd have done construction simulation using Navisworks or something like that, then we would have got a clash. They would have seen that. So, you know, the whole... We are getting better. We are getting better, but it's integrating and making sure people understand, you know, the fact that when we look at ACC, um, a lot of customers, and and this is our job um, as consultants, is to make sure that we advertise to our customers the difference between ACC docs, ACC build, and so on, so that we can then make them understand. And again, it's adoption of the technology, but I think it's also um making sure we th- advertise it to our clients, but more importantly, talk about it. you know um, as a as an organization um, working as a consultant, we have the trusted advisors. Mm-hmm. yeah it's not always about us selling a box. you know as you, as you mentioned um, about um, me at the beginning, My job has always been about making sure that what's in the box is used and people get the benefit out of what's in the box. But we have to advertise that. We've got to educate. And I think education is probably the biggest part of how the whole industry can move forward. Yeah, It's all them hidden features that people are like, oh, I didn't know it did that. Um, And hidden workflows where it might not be an obvious solution, but then you go, well, actually there is because this does that. And if you, if you if you use this tool in a slightly different way to what it's advertised, that's going to give you the information that you need. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's collaboration, sharing of the information, and it's the willingness to share. Um, in the early days of BIM, I had um, an architect that refused to share the BIM model. wouldn't share the Revit model because they didn't trust it. So they still basically produced 2D drawings, and that's all the issue, which sort of... <laughs> It <laughs> defeats the purpose. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, which is always interesting to see. Why, why are you doing that? Just just give them a 3D model.
1: Right. Right. So where do you see the industry moving forward on the, the technology front over the, the next couple of years you know, with interoperability coming in and being more critical as well? What does Revit oh, look like in, in five years in this ecosystem? Right.
0: So... This is the way I see things moving forward and I'm pretty sure um, Autodesk see this as well. So the cloud is the future. A single source of truth is the way we need to work. Now the way I see it is imagine having a single cloud based platform for everybody and everything you do is in the cloud so you could be designing a building we're still going to have gated um um, document management system so we're still going to be able to issue you know we can do changes and then issue them changes but i can see all being cloud-based um where you're using an interface that you're familiar with so you'd be using revit you could be using inventor you could be using civil but what you're technically doing is you're working on a single cloud-based model so it's almost like forget file formats there will be no such thing as file formats anymore you won't have ipt files you won't have assembly files you won't have revit families you won't have revit projects you won't have civil 3d projects you will just have a model space in the cloud for a project where whatever platform you want to use or whatever set of tools you need to create that geometry, you use that set of tools. But everything is going to sit in the cloud. Mm-hmm. We've only got to look at um, what Autodesk have announced with Autodesk Forma. Um, um, and I think we announced that at uh, AU. At AU. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and now what you've got to, when you start looking at that, where you use the power and processing power of the cloud, to do the calculation work, etc., you start to see the basis of a cloud-based solution that could technically support any um, interface. Yeah. So any software platform and allowing for that direct integration. Yeah. You know, and I, I, and I can it's see huge. that's the way it's going. Yeah, absolutely. Even when, you know, even, even just from a cloud-based solution at the moment. So, you know, I'm a beta tester for the Revit platform. Now, what they do is they give me the ability to download the latest um, builds of Revit, but I can also run that in the cloud. So even where maybe you're not collaborating, but imagine just, you know, this is going back to the the, the late 90s when, you know, financial systems ran on thin clients. So all the processing was done on a big mainframe computer, and you just had a dumb terminal, you know, and we start to see that. I've got some clients at the moment that will use... Citrix or things like that to actually run the software, but imagine better do that cloud-based. Um, and particularly when you look at um, the new licensing systems that are coming in from Autodesk, where you get the, um, the token-based licensing. So you right. basically go off into the cloud, you're working, one day you need to be doing some civil work and it might work out cheaper than having a collection, but everything will be cloud-based. You better work from anywhere, could even run from an. in fact i can actually run revit on my ipad by using the cloud services and the cloud version of of revit at the moment so you you completely go um there will not be a specific platform that you need to have whether you're running linux um windows mac os Um, and i can see that being the way it going so it'll be complete cross farm cross platform Um, usage, um, and file formats will be the thing of the past.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The collaboration interoperability just to the next level.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We've got it now, but there's always that, you know, having to publish to the cloud Then we go to the cloud when we're using collaborate pro and then we've got to, um, create our packages in collaborate pro to publish that data so that then someone else can consume it. Um, we'll still have to do that because um, I think the, the, the concept of working on live models and everyone's chasing the tails because the architect moves a, a wall and the structure and he goes, what do we do now? And you know, I think we've still got to, to control that and, and, and issue it um, yeah. in a sensible way. Um, but we know how that works and you know, introducing them mechanisms into the cloud. Well, we don't need to because they're already there.
1: Mm. Um,
0: but having that data available quicker and faster, you know, um, the, the Revit models are getting bigger and bigger depending on the project, the, the level of complexity, because people are wanting to introduce. You know, I always used to joke um, with my clients um, back in the, the sort of mid-noughties, um, and I say, look, when you're modelling in Revit, we don't model every nut, bolt, screw. So all the hinges on the doors, we don't need to worry about the screws. I says, you can put a bit of information in your family that says this door requires three hinges and these eight screws per inch. So we've got 24 screws, so we can put that. I says, but we won't need to, we don't model that, it gets too complicated. But if we then start moving that into the cloud, we've now got the possibility because we're using inventor files to not only increase the level of collaboration, but increase the level of complexity and information that we're actually feeding into these models as well.
1: Sure. Sure. So what does innovation mean to you then?
0: Um, innovation is about looking at mistakes, how we can improve them mistakes. You know, we've only got to look at, um, you know, um, that, you know, necessity is the mother of all invention. Um, And that's why we need to look at mistakes. We need to look at where things go wrong and always start looking at how can we improve that. I think trying to, as a product manager, I can come up with toys and tools that I want to see in the PowerPoint for Revit, but they're my ideas. So the big thing we've got to do is listen to customers. What problems Mm. have customers have got? What mistakes have customers made in the past? And then look at how we can develop solutions to fix them problems. You know, we've only got to look at how that works when we look at, you know, we've just come out of a pandemic and the way that, you know, the whole world developed vaccines. They were, we were talking about 18 months to two years before the first vaccine was released. It was released in eight months. Yeah. Yeah. But when we look at, you know, how, how technology has to evolve, it has to evolve through mistakes. Yeah. And, you know, a child would never learn to walk if it didn't fall over first. Right so we that is out what i believe innovation is it's you know you you can't just come up with an idea which is the best idea in the world you've got to have a problem to solve so sure. you've got to have mistakes that people have made so you've got to find them problems if you can find them problems then you're going to find a solution
1: yeah m- more than agree with that so how do people find out more uh, of what power pack for revit is and, and how does it uh really address a lot of the the topics and, and issues that we've been discussing
0: yeah so so there's plenty of places if you go to um the gray tech website so if you just actually google gray tech power pack um, it'll take you to the the page depending where we are in the world it will automatically take you to the country specific um website about power pack um so the power pack is a a plugin um, for revit it's actually got three three parts of it um, standard and professional which is multi-discipline set of tools do everything from um, um, giving you a bi-directional link to excel which is probably one of the most used tools Um, we've got a duplicate sheets um, which has actually been the top used tool for the past 18 months Um, interestingly enough Autodesk have actually introduced their own duplicate sheets in um, 2023 um but obviously no one's using that yet so that's fine and we're all using the old one now the power pack's been out since 2016 so it doesn't matter what version of revit you're using and we've got a version for that um so there's duplicate sheets it's my favorite one which is a numbering tool which will auto um, sometimes called the renaming tool so it'll auto renumber any object or any category even categories that revit wouldn't automatically um numerate and um, we can numerate them but we can also um, use it to put sequencing into any instance parameter within that family so it doesn't necessarily just have to be the, the mark or the number um, and these these 70 plus tools within the standard professional they say they're very multidiscipline. with some that are a bit more discipline specific than others and then we've got the premium concrete if you do any type of reinforcement in your work then you need premium concrete It enhances the way that Revit works, and it's got some amazing tools um, for actually calculating the amount of rebar and then automating the design um, of a reinforcement in there. So it really speeds things up. Um, One of my colleagues was at AU last week um, showing this, and he actually asked the crowd what was the number one feature that we'd be looking for um, in a reinforcement tool, and something like 80% of the people said, speed they want to be reinforced quicker and that is exactly what the premium concrete tool does but i say if you go to go to the Great tech um, website i think out of fact i think it'll be on the applied site as well um and search for a power pack um you can get a feature comparison that will show you exactly what each of them do each awesome. of the tools that are in
1: there we'll be sure to to put a link in all the the show notes and everything too so people can go straight from the the Podcast description over to the the product information as well. Yeah, cool. Uh, So final question for you. It's one of my favorites. If I could give you all power and you could snap your fingers and innovate one thing in the construction industry, what would you choose to innovate?
0: Uh, That's a really good question. I'm going to have to pause and think about that. Probably a better um because i I look at it from a full life cycle the Mm -hmm. biggest issue we've got when we look at facilities management is how we get the information even even today kobe spreadsheet is a spreadsheet it's not really the best way we definitely need a better fm solution if i could clip my fingers autodesk Um, had a sort of standalone spin-off platform a while ago for facilities management never really took off but yeah a better facilities management tool that fits into the whole bim lifecycle so that the data that we're creating from a construction point of view can get straight into the fm software almost as we're designing so as we're creating that from a design point of view that data is already available so the FM people can go. I can see how oh, this is coming along, but wouldn't it be nice if we had this and they can get involved earlier in the process rather than just at the handover stage? Well, they go, there you go. And then they've still got a habit of redrawing stuff and recalculating stuff and renumbering things. So, better workflow to a nice integrated FM solution.
1: Yeah, I love that. Taking all the, the good valuable data that we have on the design side and just carrying that through and being able to leverage. I mean that's the to me that's the promise of, of BIM, truly, is being we, able to we
0: still, yeah, continue we, that. We still yeah, we still see FM people going out and surveying a building that we've just built. Right. <laughs> because um there's a few things there, because obviously they might want to have better asset numbering. But why can't the FM people be putting all the asset numbers to the items in a building, a school, or a hospital during the design process. These guys need to be involved earlier on, um, but we haven't got the workflows. we get in there, but I don't yeah. think we've got the software talking to each other yet.
1: Right. Right. Back to bringing the, the right people at the right time to that table Yeah,
0: absolutely. at the beginning of the process. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, Simon, thanks so much for taking the time and coming on the show. You're welcome back anytime.
0: Oh, no. Thank you very much, Todd. It's been a pleasure.
1: And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take, interoperability is critical. Look for tools and workflows that enhance connection between technology and your workflows. Second take, we need to have a plan for successful adoption of technology. It's about gaining the confidence needed to embrace a workflow change. Prepare now for the change you want to occur in the next two to three years. And final take, the goal and promise of BIM should be to unite the entire life cycle of a project from design to construction to operations. To achieve this, we need to take time to have a conversation with the right people at the beginning of a project around how technology can enable this ambition. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software, Great Tech Group, at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyatt. thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyatt. Edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software
0: 2022.